0: Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Welcome to Two Guys, One Book. This week we're talking about Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. I picked this book. It's a Brian Pick, certified fresh, right? No. I picked this book because I just like Cormac McCarthy. I've read The Road and No Country for Old Men and just like his style of writing. And the brief synopsis of Blood Meridian it we follow the main protagonist is just called the kid in his adventures in Texas and Mexico in 1849 1850 and he gets caught up in a gang called Glant- with glanton is the main, one of the characters the leader of the gang and they go around basically hunting for indian scalps because they get paid for them and it's just a lot of violence and nonsense, and then you meet crazy characters like the judge and other people in Glanton's gang, and then shit happens. Glanton gets killed, and then the judge and the kid have a final showdown. So, Tim, yeah, what do you think of this, this book?
1: This was the most graphic book I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Nothing even comes close. Yeah. Why did you make me read this? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I
0: slightly regretted it myself, actually. Yes, like I said, I liked The Road. I liked No Country for Old Men. They weren't my favorite books, but I just like how McCarthy writes. With that being said, I don't know why I picked this book either. (laughs) Because, like, I mean, reading reviews online, it's supposed to be really good. Yeah. But it left me wanting
1: a lot more. Yep. Yep. Well, it's on the time, like, top 100 books yeah. or something. Like, it's really well-received for some reason. I think it's overrated. I mean, there mm-hmm. are good parts to it, and we'll get into that. But
0: Well, the way I typically read is I start a book, and then it takes me a while to get into it. But then once I'm into it, I zip through the second half. Mm-hmm. This was, like, the complete inverse of that. Mm-hmm. I I, re- started reading it, I was really enthralled because we kind of bounce around with the kid in a couple different adventures like he is, you know, basically a vagabond in Texas. He gets caught up with this Captain White, mm-hmm. I think was the character's name, and then they get attacked by Apaches and then he's bound and then he's in a jail and then so like all that leading up to it I found interesting cuz it's like we were following the kid. Right. As soon as he gets caught up in the Glanton's gang, they just go lauds on and on about their travels across the desert right and killing Indians, Apaches or non apaches or just anybody that comes across their path. Yep. And I'm so conflicted because I mean the story I didn't really care for it because like once he got up with the Glanton's gang, I completely lost interest. It was the same thing droning on over and over. Mm. But at times I found McCarthy's prose very beautiful. And, and actually really, really well done. So is it solely considered a good book because the writing is good and not so much the story?
1: That's a good point. I think the language he uses is very interesting and the way he writes sentences in general is mm-hmm. definitely unique. But plot-wise, this did leave a lot to be desired. Like It did bother me that it started off following the kid and then just... Stopped kind of for like the whole chunk of the middle of the book. And then it kind of comes back to him towards the end, and then it started getting engaging again for me. Mm -hmm. Like I got more into the book again. But it's just strange to start off with a character and then just kind of move on to these other, to just violent scene after violent scene and all of these crazy killings.
0: Right. And so all he basically describes is them killing or traveling through the desert. Like I can't even. There was Glanton, the kid, and the judge. And a few other characters, like Toadvine and the ex-priest. Right. That's it. I mean, there was Black Jackson. I remember Black Jackson, too, because he was memorable in a few scenes. But, like, there was no character development at all. It was, like, just reporting what
1: happened. It was basically one long, very well-written newspaper article. I think it would have been a better book if it just followed the kid. Because he's this, like... 16 year old kid or however old he is and goes and joins these crazy um, Indian hunters and it's it's a wild ride but (laughs) I don't know why he chose this approach but well, you know, this is actually based on true events, right? The and, Yeah, Samuel Chamberlain. Yeah, the, his account
0: of his riding with the Glanton gang. Yeah. Glanton was a real real person. person. The judge was, there's there's some uncertainty if the judge was a real person or yeah. not. But when the Indians attack him there towards the end and kill Glanton, I was kind of like glad. Right. You know, like... He I, had it coming. I mean, he's a bastard. They all are, really. I mean, they don't really say like what the kid does in, as part of the Glanton gang, yeah. you know? They, they just talk about the gang on a whole, and, they, and he talks about Glanton or the judge doing some things individually, but all the violence is kind of perpetuated by the whole gang as a body. So we don't know what the kid was all involved with, but I would have loved to, like there could have been time for conflict. Like the kid having a conscious as being part of this group, he could have expanded on that maybe and created more
1: internal monologue of what the kid's thinking and to, to provide some conflict along with that. There was not good character development. No. And you could argue maybe it's part of his like sparse writing style that you just, it's implied. Yeah. And there are moments where you feel like maybe he's showing the kid having compassion and maybe going against the norms of that violent gang. But on the whole, he kind of is just going along with whatever they're doing. Right. So you're, you make a good point because
0: as I look back on the road in No Country for Old Men, there wasn't really much character development there either. And you're right, that's... But there was more of a compelling story, I felt
1: like. I agree. And it have, was just... Have you read any more? I, I read The Road a long time okay. ago. And the interesting thing about his writing is that at the beginning, it's a little hard to get into. Because he doesn't really do dialogue with like quotations. Mm-hmm. And like he said and she said. Mm-hmm. It's more just like this long, strung-on sentence. I actually like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's one thing that I'm drawn to McCarthy. Is because... <laughs> McCarthy is a perfect example, and I always like using E.E. E. Cummings as an example too, of how your English teachers are full of shit. Because those two guys don't do capitalization, or E.E. E. Cummings doesn't do capitalization or anything like that. Cormac McCarthy doesn't do quotations around what the characters are saying, and very little apostrophes for contractions, but it's still wonderfully written. both. McCarthy and Cummings, and so like English has all these rules, just right. like society putting the rules on you, <laughs> you know, but from the man. The man. But so I, that's one thing I one beef I always had with English growing up in school was that it imposed all these rules on you, yet there are famous people that don't abide by them, you know,
1: and that's fine. It's just you got to acknowledge that. Maybe that's, that. that's like what sets them apart, though. That's one of the things that... Right like he's the master of the run-on sentence or <laughs> is. is how i would <laughs> describe it. And another him. thing
0: I, about this book i really liked was it he wrote it almost like he was talking about it from the mid 1800s, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean it, i kind of like that. You're for the first couple pages and getting into it it was a little hard to read but halfway through you're you're just Reading along like it's no big deal.
1: It, it bothered me. Some of the words he'd use were just so like obscure that you'd have to get out a dictionary and just be like, oh, "What the hell does that even <laughs> oh, mean?" Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't care that much. You I just, just kept, kept reading. like <laughs> oh, context. I was like, "Gotta get this book done. Gotta get this yeah. book done.
0: Keep reading. Don't. No time to look up for that word. Who cares what that means? Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're just gonna kill the the character in the next page
1: anyway. <laughs> yeah. All of that violence. Yeah. It was yeah. too much. Did it get to you? It was too I much. I mean, yeah, like. I can handle a fair amount of stuff mm-hmm. but like I wouldn't recommend this book to anybody remotely squeamish because oh right there are times when they would kill children mm-hmm. in these terrible ways yep. I don't even want to repeat the yeah. <laughs> scenes yeah. but it just felt like too much you can make your point in the book without taking it this far and I guess another issue I had with this was he would randomly throw in some sort of philosophical point through made through one character like mm-hmm. The judge or someone like that and it felt like it was stretching or trying hard to be profound i don't know if you agree or disagree but it just this book didn't seem to have a strong philosophical message to warrant all the violence or no (laughs) plot no i took it as just
0: a bleak view of american history and i get roped into this all the time because i love westerns like Mm -hmm. as movies but they kind of glamorize the Western past. You know? Right. It, it was a bleak time. And this was even before the Civil War. So I can't fathom what it was like to live in the, that era. So, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that he was just showing how the true nature of the Wild West and how stark it really was. But he didn't come out outright and say, like, he, he just left it out there he didn't balance it with anything like you said like the judge was a proponent of some
1: philosophical thoughts but at the end the judge was just a crazy character anyway well it's interesting you say that i think you're right that a lot of western fiction does maybe romanticize the past or oversimplify the dynamics of it so like in this book the main characters are either american or mexican or indians like native americans And at different times, they're all acting terribly, right? So it's not this black and white thing where it's like a good versus evil sort of framing of the whole environment, compared to a lot of other Western stories, I feel like. Right, a lot
0: of other Western stories, there's definitely a hero and definitely a villain. But yeah, this one, everyone's kind of shitty and
1: (laughs) So you could argue the bleakness is intentional. The lack of a plot is intentional. But a book like The Road had a much better premise for a story. It's like a father and a son trying to survive in this like post-apocalyptic right. world with a Western bend to the tone. Yes. Yeah, you oh know. sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah, but I think
0: that one I enjoyed the world building that he did in that one. In mm-hmm. this one, it was just like a lot of going over the desert and some bushes and only passed under these trees and saw another charred wagon burning in ash. It's just I, yeah, it just seemed a little repetitive and, yeah,
1: just kind of hard to struggle through the second well, half. I started out just highlighting these parts where he's describing the nature, the mountains and the moon and stuff. I'm like, oh, it's really beautiful. But, yeah, towards the end, it's like, all right, you've you know, said this in a different way at a hundred times. So. Literally, the exact same thing okay. happened to me. Yeah. I noticed that the quotes that
0: I was highlighting and making note, of uh, uh, throughout the whole book, they take up most of them in the first half of the book mm-hmm. because by the time I'm halfway through, they almost become repetitive and old. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they still might be beautiful, but it's like okay, it's I'm like ready for something else. You know? Yeah. I mean, I can only read so many things about the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. Like I know that already. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from the moon. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, but
1: there's like no real other quotes other than him describing the scenery. So just to give some context for what this reminded me of, Mm -hmm. you've seen Inglorious Bastards, right, in Tarantino? A little bit, it reminded me of how like Brad Pitt's character, Lieutenant Aldo Mm -hmm. Rain, Mm -hmm. is recruiting a small group of soldiers to go get scalps of people of the Nazis. In that scenario... It's a little more clear cut that like, you know, these Nazis are the bad guys, and we're gonna go get their scalps. But in the same way, it's like the one guy is recruiting these kind of mercenary soldiers to go kill these Indians because I guess the Mexican towns wanted to feel safer. So,
0: yeah, that's a good that's a good point. But *Inglorious Bastards* was so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Yeah, this
1: could have been a lot more fun of a book. I mean, it's, yeah. it wasn't
0: going for that, but right, right. It just made Bleak. everybody look yeah. Did you have any little parts within the book that you liked? Like a little story here or a little way
1: he described that or whatnot that you found interesting or captivating? Uh, Probably scattered throughout here and there. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, I really liked when it was just him trying to escape the judge. The judge started coming after him because they were kind of stranded and he got injured. And I guess they're both trying to survive with these Indians surrounding them. I think the way it was was the judge wanted his pistol right oh yeah he wanted the gun right and the kid wouldn't give it to him right and that was just really in a suspenseful yes series of events and it's just a more interesting story like this they were fighting together and now they're kind of like opposing each other so i was interested in that portion
0: let's all right i'll, I'll come i'll go back to a few of the other things i like yeah. because i want to expand on that and versus the kid oh, yeah. sure Because you're right. I guess if you take out all the boring stuff that he talks about the Glanton gang Mm -hmm. and just focuses on the kid, I like that. That would be a good short story. The stuff at the beginning, he goes off of the Glanton gang and then at the end, the shit hits the fan and the judge and him tracking each other in the desert. And I found that very captivating, yes. And I also liked him following the kid as he grew up Mm -hmm. on the West Coast and how he kind of just briefly talked about him bouncing from town to town or whatnot. But then at the very end, he meets the judge again. Mm -hmm. And what was your interpretation of the end? Do you want to summarize what happens first? All right, yes. I'll summarize what happens. So basically, the judge has gold, and he buys Toad Vine's hat. And he wants to buy the kid's gun, but the kid says no because the kid is worried that he's just going to take the gun and shoot them all. Right. So, and I think that's why. So the kid and the ex-priest book it in the desert, and then all of a sudden the judge is out there after them. So the judge is cha- is after the kid and the ex-priest because I think he wants the pistol, right? But then the kid and the ex-priest hide. They let the judge go. The judge basically shouts out, saying, I know you're hiding, but you can come to your senses and we can work out a deal. But then that's last we see him. The kid goes back to Texas later when he's in his middle age or whatever. Right. And then he sees the judge at some bar where they're showing a dancing bear on the stage. <laughs> Someone shoots the dancing bear, but then the judge and and the kid goes back and forth about, I don't know, what do they talk about? They try to get
1: philosophical. Yeah, they
0: try to get philosophical at the end, and it's kind of just rambling, and you're not really 100% sure what what they're talking about. But then eventually the kid then goes and sleeps with a prostitute, then comes down... And goes to the outhouses, and then there's the judge there. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they say basically, like, the judge wraps him up, then that's the last we heard of the kid. And then the judge is there dancing on the floor of the bar, then later. And, and yes, we are led to believe that the, he kills the kid. I don't know why he kills the kid. Is it just because, like, in the desert, after the Glen Gain is broken up, I understand he wants the pistol because he wants to defend himself or ki- kill the other guys or whatever. I understand the judge wants the pistol. But like years later, mm-hmm. to run into him again, I don't understand the motivation for the judge killing the kid. Right. Unless that's just it. There is no motivation. The judge is just a heinous creature.
1: One yeah, one interesting part about that is that they describe all of those deaths in graphic detail except the kid at the end. Yeah. They just kind of, you know, leave it to your imagination. But
0: they they do have that one th- like the pe- the people coming to the outhouse next right. and like is that occupied and then someone says I won't go in there and then they open the door and they're like oh good God Almighty yeah and so like I did Google it a little bit and that's one thing they said is like this so violent of a book but yet maybe it's the atrocities done to the kid are so gruesome that you can't even you know f- fathom right. them but like I don't know that seems like a cop out to me. Cop out how to how I mean, like I didn't. Well, from what the little googling I did, it wasn't Cormac McCarthy that said that. Mm-hmm. It was other people analyzing the yeah. work, and I guess that's my main thing. Is like when people analyze art mm-hmm. in general. I guess I'm going more broad. They seem to presume what the artist was trying to do, right. unless the artist actually explicitly says it. How can you presume that? You know? Yeah. That that's kind of how the what I'm getting at is a cop out for like, oh, we have this whole so violent book, but yet at the end, the kid, they, he doesn't explain what happened to the kid. Well, I mean, do we really need to know what happens to the kid?
1: No, it's, so I think I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We can't just assume we understand what the author was going for, but just to observe that contrast where he describes everything in graphical detail up to that point It's just interesting to note that he chose that different approach. Right. So maybe there's a reason to it, maybe not, but Mm -hmm. it's a little... Maybe it was because we
0: were following along with the kid. Right. Like, all those other atrocities were a little removed because a lot of the times they were just nameless Indians or, or Americans or Mexicans just being slaughtered. Right. Which was gruesome. But we weren't following them. I guess... I mean, there were some gruesome moments within the gang, but... you're right maybe because we're following the kid Mm -hmm. and at the end end of the book to go
1: back to the judge though Mm -hmm. it seemed to me with everything his character represented that he was just this symbolic figure in the book representing man's violence Mm -hmm. and propensity towards terrible things and a lot of his dialogue throughout the book indicates that Mm -hmm. and i have quotes too to go into we usually say them at the end though so i don't know if It doesn't matter. You remember when he talks throughout just like about war and about how war is sort of natural and Mm -hmm. righteous and just. So it seems like he's sort of representing man's worst instincts and nature. Okay. He says at one point moral law is an invention of mankind for the disenfranchisement of the powerful in favor of the weak. Historical law subverts it at every turn. Ah. So, he's just saying that moral law is just this mm-hmm. arbitrary thing, and at their core people are these violent, evil creatures. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Okay. Yeah, I buy that. I mean, I, I guess looking at it through
0: that lens, then, you're right. He doesn't need a motive to kill a kid at the end. Mm-hmm. He's just the agent of chaos of humans' violent
1: nature. He's definitely unique as a character. The way he talked. He knew, like, multiple languages, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they made him seem like this almost immortal figure mm-hmm. who had lived across generations and knew all these languages. And just to highlight this, like this part of the end, the kid sees him across the bar and he says, "...watching him across the layered smoke in the yellow light was the judge. He was sitting at one of the tables." He wore a round hat with a narrow brim, and he was among every kind of man herder and bullwhacker and drover and frighter and miner and hunter and soldier and peddler and gambler and drifter and drunkard and thief. And he was among the dregs of the earth in beggary a thousand years. And he was among the scapegrace scions of eastern dynasties and in all that motley assemblage. He sat by them and yet alone as if he were some other sort of man entire. And he seemed little changed or none in all these years. Mm. Yeah, that's so, good. Is he the devil? I mean, that's another theory I think I saw people...
0: Okay. People say... I mean, say. I'd,
1: I'd buy that. Right. And then at the end, he's, like, kind of dancing on mm-hmm. the tables and just mm-hmm. acting wild. Right. So there, there's a lot of biblical, like, imagery in this book and references in general, but I don't know if he's literally representing the devil or if it's just, like, like I said, like, mankind's mm-hmm. worst instincts, like... How terrible people can be! Because some of the things he did in the book, there was one point where they kidnapped like an Indian, like an Apache kid, and then they were all just kind of like playing with him by the fire, and then he just left with them and killed them, for mm-hmm. for no reason. So, well, look, it was basically pedophilia. He was a pedophile. Yeah, yeah. the judge. Yeah. yeah, so he would have sex with like this Indian kids and then kill them. Yeah, It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. But that's like, I mean, when you think about the worst things a person can do. That's what he's doing in all these situations. But he's also like scientifically documenting nature as he goes. He had some line that was like, Whatever exists without my knowledge exists without my consent. Remember? Kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know. I mean
0: the more we talk about this, the more I'm bored with him being the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is I actually kinda like that view than mm-hmm. trying to rationalize his actions as a man.
1: Right. You know, or like you said, just the the, the the utter violence. He's beyond a man. He's not just, compared to every other character in this book, mm-hmm. he's a whole different being, right. whether that's meant to be the devil. Mm-hmm. To me, he just, like I said, all things terrible, but also just the spirit of war and blood and gore. He said one line at one point that was like, only that man who has offered up himself entire to the blood of war, who has been to the floor of the pit and seen horror in the round and learned at last that it speaks to his inmost heart only that man can dance, and then he just starts dancing. Ah, so. <laughs> true. So very true. Yeah. Hmm.
0: yeah. So I, in terms of interesting characters, I guess we could say the judge
1: very much dwarfs the kid. Yeah, and ah. it was the dynamic between the judge and the kid as well. But that's why I like the the end of the book so much is because it did focus on those two. Right, and yeah. Because the kid is almost like the reader's perspective on things a little bit. Like, he's the one going along on this journey, and you're kind of following him along.
0: I guess. But during the whole Glanton
1: gang shenanigans, we don't really know what the kid is up to. Well, I wonder if there's a reason for that. Like, he didn't want us to focus too much on the kid's atrocities... Sure. I mean I mean by not by not saying what he did along with the gang, yeah.
0: Then at the end we're more empathetic to the kid.
1: That's true. Yeah. And he is a kid, right? Like he's a young teenager. Yeah. You could argue he's almost forced into this situation. He wrote parts of the book where it was like the kid pulling an arrow out of someone's leg, uh one of the other gang members. He was the kid was supposed to kill one of the
0: injured guys,
1: but right. he didn't. He left him there yeah. to try to hide or defend himself. So that can't be an accident that like mm-hmm. he didn't highlight the kids killing as much and then he did highlight those moments mm-hmm. so there was an effort to show some empathy toward him
0: I guess so I would have liked more of an effort or more of a glimpse into like I mean I think he could have showed if we if the if the reader was to go along with a kid mm-hmm. he could have gone into the kids psyche a little more and be like showed him conflicted as being part of the Glanton gang I, Cop with these guys, I would die with on my own out
1: here. But these guys are doing horrible things. Just explore that a little bit. Yeah, but that's his style—is like that whole minimalist approach, which is like you read between the lines. I guess so. But this is maybe too much minimalism or something. You're right. That is his style. I mean, the kid would kill people. Like he killed guys in a bar and stuff. There's so much bar violence in general. Like, every time they went to a bar, you're just like, shit's about to hit the fan. Like, so people are going to die. And like, I don't think that was an accident either. I think bar violence is almost the pinnacle of senseless violence. Mm -hmm. And one person would say the wrong thing and then all these people would die. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that he kept going back to that type of scene again and again, it was just like, drive this point home. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: um, I mean, like, there were parts of the book I enjoyed that really, the way McCarthy writes them, is so captivating. Mm-hmm. Some things that come to my mind are the initial Apache attack yeah. when he was when the kid is with like Captain White, I think. Mm-hmm. that was great when they basically they disguise themselves as, as animals part of the herd mm-hmm. or something and they jump out and just slaughter the Americans. Well, I thought that was fascinating. The way that was written
1: was mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. And because there' was almost an entire page that was just one sentence and yeah <laughs> somehow it keeps your attention with this incredibly vivid imagery of these Apaches or whatever coming down the hill. And so, like, you can just picture it. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, like, even some of the
0: violent scenes I felt were captivating. Mm-hmm. Like, there was two men named Jackson. Mm-hmm. There was White Jackson and Black Jackson. And Black Jackson beheads White Jackson, right? Yeah. And that paragraph where he describes the head rolling off and uh, on the ground and blood spurting from the stump of his neck I just found that captivating for some morbid reason. So like, if this book was written by a less talented author, there's no way it would reach the popularity or acclaim that it has. Right. It's not as highly regarded based solely on the storytelling, based on the story alone. It's based on the author's uh, way with
1: words, definitely. It's just, it was a drain to get through. Yes, like, I agree. <laughs> I completely <laughs> it, agree. This took us a while to read yeah. compared to other books. Just because you can't really binge read it. You're just like, oh, Jesus. Like, every other page. <laughs> I like... like what you put on the website.
0: <laughs> it was like, Brian picked this book because he likes to read about people suffering. Right. And that yeah. was like when we were a quarter of the way through the book, and I'm like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> most oh, depressing man. Western. Yeah.
1: But there were some definitely good right. sp- spots in there that I liked. There are parts where you're just like, wow, that's a beautiful mm-hmm. sentence. I don't mm-hmm. know how he wrote that, and mm-hmm. maybe that made it worth reading. I don't know. At least it's another book off our list. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wanna go over some more stuff that we do quotes? I can start since we just talked about that Apache's Mm -hmm. coming down the hill. Ah yeah. So the first sentence in that description is that he sees them coming to the initial like troop that the kid is with and the author describes them as a legion of horribles hundreds in number half naked or clad in costumes attic or biblical or wardrobed out of a fever dream with the skins of animals and silk finery and pieces of uniform still tracked with the blood of prior owners and then he goes on for like 10 more lines and you're just like it's so Mm -hmm. yeah it's well done yeah definitely i mean and and I mean, a lot of stuff
0: I was drawn to as well was just little things. Sentence here, sentence there, in the middle of him rambling on about something. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, stuff like this when he describes just them being out in the desert. The shadows of the smallest stones lay like pencil lines across the sand, and the shapes of the men and their mounts advanced elongate before them like strands of the night from which they would ridden, like tentacles to bind them to the darkness yet to come.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really good. I can't think of any author who writes quite like that.
0: Yeah, I guess that's why I'm drawn to him. The Road and No Country for Old Men, I liked but not loved. I wouldn't say any book of his is one of my favorites, but just the way he writes so damn good. It's engaging enough to
1: overcome the other... Yeah, I mean this, but this book was a struggle. This though. was a struggle. The other, the other two were fun to read, but this one was a struggle. Yeah, just to go off of that, like a little sentence, he would describe the nature as like a thin shell of a moon lay capsized over the jagged peaks. Mm. That's a good little sentence. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. a quick one: uh, yeah. lightning stood in ragged chains far to the south, silent. The staccato mountains, bespoken in blue and barren, out of the void yeah what was up with all that lightning
0: there was like lightning all the time in the the desert desert, right yeah (laughs) life
1: in the desert i don't
0: know (laughs) but no i felt like every time they were riding for a number of days there was always lightning rolling down the hill somewhere sounded good yeah Yeah. and then one time when the kid and somebody was stranded in the desert a group of mexicans came by Mm -hmm. and they said in broken english the mexicans were talking to the kid and they said, When the lambs is lost in the mountain, he said, they is cry. Sometime come the mother, sometime the
1: wolf. Okay. Now, I like that quote. What's he going for with that? Well,
0: he's basically, the Mexican's basically telling him that when the lamb is lost, it's a metaphor, the, the lamb is lost in the desert,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the lamb's going to cry. Sometimes the mother comes, sometimes it's the wolf. So oh. the Mexican, they, they let him go that oh. time. Okay. Ba- and it was basically the warning them that like if you make a ruckus out here when you're all stranded okay. you don't know who's gonna come along yeah it's like a parable
1: yeah that's great yeah.
0: I like that come on Tim I'd explain that to you oh
1: well, come on uh, honestly I, I like <laughs> you were zoning out that time I drifted off of it yeah. in parts of the book <laughs> but yeah
0: absolutely I completely understand this is one of those books where you can just kind of skim mm-hmm. two or three pages and not have that sink in or if you're in another state of mind when reading it stuff can really stick to you and I find yeah. it interesting how we you know I like doing this quote thing where we pick out our favorite parts of the book because whether I'm reading it intently or just kind of my mind tends to wonder when I read yeah so if I'm reading a couple pages when my mind is wondering I'm not going to remember those as much right I'm still going to get the gist of what's going on but that's why I think it's so fascinating that different people read the same book and different things stand out to them. Take different know? things away yeah, from right. it. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I, think that's no, I like
1: hearing your favorite parts, because, yeah, maybe I missed mm-hmm. it or just overlooked it right. on my first read. Here's
0: one about mountains again. <laughs> the jagged mountains were pur- pure blue in the dawn, and everywhere birds twittered, and the sun, when it rose, caught the moon in the west, so that they lay opposite to each other across the earth. The sun white hot, and the moon a pale replica as if they were the ends of a common bore, beyond whose terminals burned worlds past all reckoning. you know, like, he comes up with shit like that. I'm like, yeah. damn.
1: I, see, I agree his language is beautiful, yeah. but like there were times when I thought he was also stretching a bit, like going overboard. Oh, well, sure. You're just like, you didn't, you're just trying a little too hard to sound. <laughs> yeah. He
0: went to that well a few too many times in yeah. your opinion. I mean, yeah.
1: I loved it, but you gotta, like, find the balance. Right, right. I'll do one more, and it's kind of a long one, so... Okay, all right, that's Um, fine. Take your time. Okay. So this is when the kid got separated from the Glanton gang, and he's just kind of on his own in Ah, the desert. I think they had just been attacked or something. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, off in the distance, and he says, talking about the kid, He moved north all day, and in the long light of the evening, he saw from that high rimland. The collision of armies, remote and silent, upon the plain below. The dark little horses circled, and the landscape shifted in the paling light, and the mountains beyond brooded in darkening silhouette. The distant horsemen rode and parried, and a faint drift of smoke passed over them, and they moved on up the deepening shade of the valley floor, leaving behind them the shapes of mortal men who had lost their lives in that place. He watched all of this pass below him mute and ordered and senseless until the warring horsemen were gone in the sudden rush of dark that fell over the desert.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: I remember that passage
0: too. Yeah. That was good. I think that was another time when I was captivated is when the kid was by himself.
1: Yeah. Trying to catch up to the gang. And I, yeah. And that was... Because then you've seen it from his perspective. Yeah. yeah. But just to like say one more thing about that mm-hmm. is it's an interesting view because... So much of the book is them having this firsthand warring experience, mm-hmm. but in this passage He's watching it from a distance. Right. So if you could just picture just like these two armies clashing mm-hmm. and Over the horizon and not even knowing the like who it is But right. just seeing how senseless it looks kind of in the zoomed-out view. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool sure. part sure. Um,
0: And then another one I liked was when Glayton's gang passed another gang of uh, Mexicans Mm-hmm. That were peaceful, at least. They didn't kill him this time. They pass each other, and then. Uh, and so these parties divided upon that midnight plain, each passing back the way the other had come, pursuing as all travelers must, inversions without end upon another man's journey. Hmm. That's yeah. good. Yeah, um and just another part of this book I liked. I don't there's no quote or anything, but well, I'll, I'll read a quote here. It's when I think the kid is getting told a story mm-hmm. by somebody how the judge how they they came upon the judge in the desert initially and they were low on gunpowder and he basically created gunpowder. Do you remember? Do you remember that part? Yeah. Where he followed bats into the cave and got the guango from the bat, the bat dung, and then mixed it with saltpeter or something, and then but then they had to piss in it as well. And so, so the guy is telling the story. We hauled forth our members and at it we went, and the judge on his knees kneading the mass with his naked arms, and the piss was splashing about, and he was crying out to us, "Piss, man! Piss for your very souls!" <laughs> You love
1: that part. (laughs) I mean, that
0: did make me laugh. I mean, that's just, I mean... Yeah, the judge is an interesting character. I will say that. I mean, it's just, I wanted to like him more, but like you said, he's did so many terrible things that, I mean, I guess that's his point, though.
1: Well, I think that example you read is just how he would sprinkle these moments of levity throughout here and there. I don't know if you remember when Glanton was getting his gun from, like, an arms dealer type person. And so he's trying it out and he just shoots every animal in sight. <laughs> Chicken and, and a cat. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, and the, like, like, I didn't say the quote, but it was like, and the cat just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. and so he shoots a cat he shoots a goat and then like, a Mexican woman comes out of her house and they tell her to go back inside. <laughs> and you can just picture this crazy guy just shooting everything in sight. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that was, I mean, it's like ridiculous, but mm. I thought that was meant to be I, kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. And I was fascinated, it seemed like the pistols were the
0: the main weapon Mm -hmm. because thinking about this was before the civil war and so the they still bear you know what's that called muzzle loading Mm -hmm. muzzle loading rifles right or so like the pistols with the the revolving action you could get five or six rounds off relatively quickly it seemed like they at that time he was purchasing high-powered pistols Mm -hmm. or or revolvers so it seemed like that that was the weapon to have which i found interesting
1: Mm. yeah i I guess I don't know as much about the context of what the most desirable artillery is. Because mm-hmm. you have Native Americans shooting mm-hmm. arrows at you. Mm-hmm. And then there's people with, like, swords, I think, lancers. Yeah, and then yeah. there's the rifles. And mm-hmm. then pistol probably would be the mm-hmm. most desirable. Right, right. And
0: I also did, like, that part when Black Jackson got killed. Like, Black Jackson was killed at the ferry that they commandeered. Mm-hmm. And he was the first casualty of the... Indian onslaught that eventually broke up the Glanton gang I feel like that that whole scene where he takes an arrow through the abdomen and then yeah. in the groin and he's stumbling there and then he gets clubbed he like, was like by the river yeah, and then, yeah, yeah that was well written yeah so uh, I was more than happy to see Glanton and his yeah. gang meet their demise
1: well it's weird to have these group of characters who make up so much of the book and then you're so happy when they're getting killed mm-hmm. because it's like you've been following them around and you don't really know them that well like they,
0: I mean, there sometimes he would give a number about how many were in the gang. Mm-hmm. Other than, I think I I named all the characters, even the remote peripheral ones
1: like Jackson. There were no Well, I think there were like twenty or something. In the gang? Yeah. Oh I, yeah, yeah yeah. I mean there was a good number. I just felt like there As far as who he'd actually talk about. Right. Yeah. He kept it vague on purpose, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I guess I have just one more thing I wanted right. to mention. So Remember when, just before the kid goes on this whole adventure, if you want to call it that, down south. The reason he's going is because he got in a fight with a Mexican bartender, right? Mm. And he kills this bartender. And then this guy, the original captain, hears about this and wants to recruit him to go to Mexico to kill Mexicans, right? Like, that's his angle. And so... This is just part of the... Like, there's not a lot of dialogue in this book, but this is part of this long section where the captain is trying to convince his kid to go to Mexico. So he says, I don't think you're the sort of chap to abandon a land that Americans fought and died for to a foreign power. And mark my word, unless Americans act, people like you and me who take their country seriously while those mollycoddles in Washington sit on their hindsides, unless we act, Mexico, and I mean the whole of the country, will one day fly a European flag Monroe doctrine or no Ooh. so it's just interesting to see this mindset where you can see it throughout American history this kind of like expan- expansionist like take over territory before another country gets there but then this captain is the one who dies very suddenly and in not glorious way mm-hmm. the kid even calls him a fool not long after that mm-hmm. and regrets ever going along with him so I think Cormac McCarthy was trying to highlight the flaws of this kind of expansionist mm. mindset mm-hmm. and this kind of mentality. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, through that point, I was still engrossed in the book. It wasn't until he got with the Glanton gang. that Yeah. I was, so this launches you into that whole yeah, journey. Right. And you're like, well, all this crazy stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then it just drags on. It gets repetitive. Yeah. So. All right. Rating time? Rating. Yeah. Good. Well...
0: I'm conflicted because Cormac McCarthy is a great writer, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be harder in my reviews now. I'm This is a two out of five.
1: Two out of five?
0: Yeah. Wow. Two out of five, man. I mean, I had to sit down and make myself read the second half until I got to, like what you said, when the Glanton gang got busted up yeah. and it was the kid against the judge, that was interesting again. But... Yeah, I gotta I gotta be harsher with my reviews is what I've decided. You gave, uh,
1: Midnight in the Garden of Evil. Three. Yeah, I, I don't want to
0: relive that, please. Okay, okay. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna start being harsher with my reviews, and I think McCarthy is a great writer. Mm-hmm. This is nothing against his legacy or his work. I just right. think Blood Meridian
1: is a two out of five. I give it a three out of five. Okay, I think the more I sort of chew on this and research theories online. And think about like the judge, what he represents, think about what all the violence might have been trying to highlight. I see maybe there's more depth to it that I might have overlooked. And in addition to the good Mm -hmm. language and stuff, I still don't love the book. I wouldn't really recommend it to people. It's so violent and hard to read. I
0: agree. I think this has more depth to it than the average
1: novel. Mm -hmm. Yes but plot-wise it left a lot to be <laughs> desired right right not a lot of character development right. yeah
0: so sorry Tim yeah. you to read this one but i'm glad i mean, it was on my read list for a while so i'm glad i got it done and all right my challenge to you then is to find a better western it because that be that hard oh, 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 oh come on but because like i i found myself like l- i was digging the first half yeah because it was like kid going out to Texas and the wild west and all that stuff so I never I haven't read many westerns at right. all if I don't think any so if you find a good legitimate western I, we'll,
1: yeah be, we'll do another western eventually I think we're trying to mix it up a lot in I the know. meantime yeah so but, I mean we got plenty of time yeah it doesn't have to be I think your book. next book's a sci-fi book isn't it uh,
0: book after book next after, okay. yeah. oh uh, yeah so
1: yeah. yeah what are we reading next so then? next book is how to live a life of montaigne And it's by Sarah Blakewell, this British, I guess, philosophy writer. And she's just kind of summarizing, I don't know if summarizing is the right word, but like going through a lot of Fontaine's essays and writings, which are pretty famous, and extracting the life lessons from them. And it's supposed to be good. Yeah. I'm excited. I feel like... I I am too. I think it'll be a nice change of of pace from Blood Meridian. (laughs) Yes. Complete opposite. (laughs) Blood Meridian is how to die (laughs) in the West. This is how to live something refreshing and yeah, nice to read. Right. thanks for but listening and go to our website
0: twoguysonebook.com dot dot to post your thoughts
1: yeah I mean we're trying to make this a social book club thing mm-hmm. so you can see everything we're going to read in the future and then join our book club and leave comments and then we'll like talk about them in the episodes so To everybody who's listening, which is not very many (laughs) people. Yeah, all five of you. Yeah, (laughs) mom and dad. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time.